Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to The Catch with John Fisher on Blog Talk Radio, connecting life to faith. We're just trying to get it together, trying to help the fellow everyone to blog talk radio and uh, uh, I, I just have to say something to our guest uh, tonight because I have a feeling that he knows the person who played the piano on that song on my uh, album in 1973 that was uh, Michael Omardian <laughs> if you can believe that yeah and he wasn't a believer yet Um that was a incredible, incredible time and uh, an incredible uh, recording session in those days. And here, that's the beautiful thing about music. You know about this, uh, Richard, that uh, it stays alive and it's good for every for every generation. It never uh, it never dies, and uh, uh, always new truths to pull from from songs and. Uh, I, yeah, I'm still teaching from my songs today. So our guest is uh, a person who has been a musician and even before he was a Christian, played in rock bands and was in the whole hippie rock and roll, sex, love, drugs scene uh, before he became a Christian and uh, was uh, led slowly to become a, a Christian by the continual witness and I'm sure just the presence of Christ and the fragrance of Christ in in a woman who he was dating at the time who is now his wife and I just found that out and and has been his wife for like something like 52 years um, really incredible but uh, Richard has gone on to uh, to become a pastor, at least, and we'll hear more about the things that he's done when he tells us a little bit about his life. We're going to talk about that, and we're going to talk about what we both believe is God's important move in the body of Christ and right now, which is in the whole area of relationships. So this will be a great uh, blog talk radio and I want to welcome uh, to uh, blog talk radio our uh, good friend Richard Davis Richard welcome thank you John great pleasure to be here and uh, I consider you a friend of the heart and we mm. have we have friends of the road in our life, and we have friends of the heart, and you, you, you discover that as you move along through relationships. And as soon yeah. as we talked the first time years ago, because of a mutual friend introducing us, I said, I've met another friend of the heart, and here mm-hmm. we are. Yeah, here we are. Oh, fantastic. I love that. I, now, honestly, I don't think I've heard that particular phrase put that way. I love it. Friend, friend of the heart. Well, Richard, we'd like to first off 
just learn a little bit about you and about your life. And so I don't know where you want to start, but just uh, give us a kind of overview of uh, how you, you know, came to the Lord and what were the early days like for you? Yeah, well, it's uh, it's always a challenge to pack 73 years plus into a short <laughs> bio, but I'll, I'll try to give you a flyover. Uh, I was actually, I I, I was born in the Ringling Brothers home, actually in Baraboo, Wisconsin. I'm not kidding. After the the war in 1950, my dad was studying at the University of Wisconsin, getting his master's. So I was born in Ringling Brothers' house before they had built the hospital. And I only say that because life has been a circus ever since. In many ways, many ways. But no, I uh, born in Wisconsin, spent my first 15 years in Iowa, and then spent uh, the next number of decades in Minneapolis, Minnesota, where I finished high school, went to University of Minnesota, fell in love with my high school sweetheart. She was a year younger in a suburban high school. Um, and she's really my one and only true love, and wow. that's been been very liberating because there isn't any baggage. We share the same bag, <laughs> and uh, so we we dated, and she was a very active church member, active in a Pentecostal church. I was raised in a Presbyterian church, but that's quite different than the Pentecostal church, and I would go to church with her as a teenager, as I was in the university, and at the time I was playing in rock bands and doing drugs and the whole scene on campus at the university during the crazy days of the war, Vietnam War, and yeah. but I, I, would go, I would go to her church to kind of please her, and I'd sit in and I'd, I'd listen to the music, I'd listen to the style of the preaching and people speaking in tongues and laying hands and healing. And I thought, who are these weirdos? Oh, um, oh. You know, I I sat in a hard wooden pew and nobody said anything or showed any emotion. And you leave at the end of the hour and it doesn't really impact you much. So that was the first way God kind of shook me up when he 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 introduced me to a group of people who had this passion and, and such a different style and subculture of Christianity, and it was enough to trouble me. Mm. Wonder am I am I missing something here? Because I don't feel any of that. Mm. Um, and I think the the big thing that the man that led me to Christ was a man named Lauren Cunningham, um, and oh, yeah. he was the founder. YWAM? Lauren, yeah, YWAM. He's the founder of YWAM. And he went to be with the Lord, I think, just two weeks ago. What a dear man, dear man. But he was speaking at a college retreat. And, again, my girlfriend twisted my arm and I went. I heard him talk about a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I I just, that, that went over my head. I didn't get that. But. As I listened to him speak and teach the Bible and share the gospel, I 
I thought this this is something I have never seen before, and uh, I was convicted. And one thing I said I'd never do is stand up and walk forward for an altar call. And I went to her church after that retreat. Lauren Cunningham was preaching, and he said, "If you put anything before your relationship with Christ, your girlfriend, your lifestyle, money, you made a list." And I could check almost all the boxes and realize those were all the things that were a barrier to me really wanting to jump into the Christian pool. And uh, wow. I was I was convicted, and you can imagine I'm wearing bib overalls and clogs, have hair down to my shoulder, had been <laughs> smoking dope the previous weekend on the road playing gigs, and it it was immediate. I. I turned around and I realized something had changed. And uh, my wife, who, who was my girlfriend at the time, recommitted herself at the same time. She didn't realize I was in the church that night. Mm. So she was up in the balcony and I was back in the corner. And we met in the prayer room afterward. And uh, we walked out and as we walked by Lauren and Darlene uh, Cunningham, Darlene grabbed me, and she's, I'd never met her. I didn't know who this was. But she grabbed me looking the way I did, and I thought, what is this? And she said, young man, may I tell you something? The Lord's put something on my heart about you. Now, that freaked me out. Yeah, but yeah. my girlfriend and I stopped and listened. She pulled us aside and she said, as you walk by, the Lord told me that you're going into ministry for the rest of your life. <laughs> wow. And I, my mouth hit the floor. I, huh. I didn't even, I don't think I even responded. I was so shocked. I mean, what do I make of this? Huh. But then I uh, went home that night, late at night, the phone rang. And it was the local Young Life leader. Um, Young Life works with teenagers. Yeah. And he'd gotten my name through the grapevine that I was a guitar player. I was a musician. And he <sighs> said, "We got two hundred. We have two hundred and fifty kids meeting tomorrow night at our Young Life meeting." I didn't even know what Young Life was. And he said, "But we always have singing, and our our musician can't be there. Are you <laughs> able to kind of?" pick up by ear and be there and lead us. Yep. And so the next night I went and, uh, you know, the basic songs in the old songbook, uh, there's a few John Fisher songs in that old Young Life songbook. Uh, Yeah. uh, Who was it? Johan. Johan Anderson. Yep. Yes. Yes. Yep. And they handed me that, and of course the chords are in it, and for a guitarist, that's a piece of cake. So I did it, and I had never seen 250 high school kids singing Christian (laughs) and contemporary songs and going crazy and doing skits. I thought, this is another brand of Christianity I'm not familiar with. Um, (laughs) And nine months later, I was the staff person in that suburb of Minneapolis, And I was the youngest Young Life staffer up until that time because you had to have a college degree to go on staff. And I hadn't completed my undergraduate work. So 
We we got married that summer, spent our honeymoon in Labrie, Switzerland, with uh, Francis Schaefer and his family, and learning Christianity in an intensive uh, summer experience. And wow. away I went, a lifetime of ministry. Wow. Now, you've pastored at least two churches. How many more? I mean... Can you tell me, can you give me a flyover of that part? Yeah, I, let's see. I, I pastored probably five or six churches. I started as a youth pastor in an urban church in Minneapolis, Covenant Church, and then went to a Presbyterian church in the suburbs, a big church, 1,500 wow. members, and... Uh, I I enrolled at Luther Theological Seminary in St. Paul and got a Master's of Arts in Youth Ministry. And then I, in, I enrolled in San Francisco Theological Seminary, which is Presbyterian and doesn't exist anymore, but ironically, probably the most liberal seminary in the denomination But by that time, I I had been trained in basic biblical faith, experiential Mm -hmm. faith, relational ministry, because of young life. And so the liberals didn't shake me at all because I knew they were were missing the mark. But uh, they gave me a Master of Divinity degree. And uh, then later on, I studied my Doctor of Ministry at Fuller Theological Seminary. And then pastored from Edina, Minnesota, we moved to Belfast, Northern Ireland. Wow. And I became associate pastor at Fisherwick Presbyterian Church, downtown Belfast, during the Troubles. Wow. And worked worked in the peace community between the Roman Catholics and the Protestants, Um, which, by the way, it's not a religious war or battle over there it's tribal these are two different tribes and it goes way way back centuries complicated but uh, so spent two two years there we had two children we raised them um, for a couple of years in Belfast and we thought well where do we want to raise our family and we thought let's bring them back to Minnesota and I was given a call to be the teaching pastor and then later became the co-pastor at Hope Presbyterian Church in Richfield, Minnesota. I was there for 12 years. I invented a product, started a company. John, I'm telling you, I can't squeeze this in. (laughs) Um, But God gave me an invention in a dream and I woke up and built it and that company still exists under deck, and it's a system that catches whatever falls through a wooden deck, so you can use the area under the deck for whatever you want. Huh. Uh, do-it-yourself attachment system. Huh. And um, I was the founder, president, and CEO of the company. And while I was doing that, I worked full time during the weekends. Friday through Sunday night, more or less, pastoring Stadium Village Church on the campus of the University of Minnesota. And that wow. was an international congregation. 
with many students and faculty. And and I realized after I'd started the company and got it up and running and it's it's in Home Depot and Lowe's and all the big box stores, I realized it was an exciting little adventure, but business is not rocket science. It's not there's nothing magic about business. Hmm. Business hmm. is just selling something for more than you paid for it. That's business. <laughs> and uh my heart was in ministry, and my fulfillment was when I was pastoring the church. And I didn't take a salary because they couldn't afford a pastor. So for four years, I volunteered as their pastor. And then uh, I saw that there was a church in Zurich, Switzerland, that was an international congregation looking for a senior pastor who wow. had... Some, some experience, some international experience, and uh, there were about, I think they had about 200 applicants or something. So I just, I threw my hat in the ring, prayed about oh. it, and thought, Lord, how crazy would this be? But it ended up, they, they called me to be their pastor, and wow. I passed, pastored there for 10 years. I'm now their pastor emeritus, which basically means the old guy. Pastor Emerit Less, I guess. Um, And then I went back on Young Life staff for six years in Europe as senior past on the or senior uh, staff on the leadership team in Central and Eastern Europe. So spent the last six years of full time ministry uh, developing Young Life clubs in Bulgaria, Macedonia, Croatia, um, and. 10 or 12 other countries, Czech Republic, Poland. Um, And I saw the passion of the gospel in former communist countries with young people who had never heard of Jesus or never seen a Bible, never been exposed to church. And they had more enthusiasm and excitement and openness than I had ever seen in North America or really in Western Europe. They weren't jaded. It was new and fresh to them, and they they were attracted like moths to flame to the gospel of Christ and gave me a lot of hope and enthusiasm for the future, seeing that that's what's happening with the church in Europe. It's it's booming, but not in the institutional places. It's in home groups and youth groups and... Wow. Couples and individuals and believe me, the Holy Spirit's at work. Yeah. All all you, over the world. There you go. Um don't you think, Richard, that that me may, may be the way God is working everywhere right now? Yeah, absolutely, uh, John. I I used to live by the motto of young life, which is Go into the world of the young people. Be there. Just be present there. Have your eyes, your ears open, Mm -hmm. and your mouth shut for the most part early on, and just soak it in and earn the right to speak. Mm. And that's been a young young life motto for 70-plus years, that don't, don't go and try to drag kids out from the outside into a church building, but 
take the church out to their turf, hang around their sports teams, their games, their concerts, get together with them, invite them into your home. So that was really my my training ground for ministry. And I found that everything that worked with kids, high school kids, junior high kids, works with adults, the very same things. Earn the right to speak. Listen more than you speak. Um, just show them you like them. Not not just say you love them, but show them you like them. You enjoy being with them. Um, and when people see that's genuine, relationships form. And wow. that's that's what carried me through ministry by the grace of God is those mentors along the line. There were many of them. Who, uh, and I'm sure you've had some really good mentors, John. I can see it in yeah. you. That sure. Just by example, that the, these were the people who invested in me and showed me how to love in a way that isn't religion. It's relationship. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Well, uh, that's the big word. Um, and the important one right now that I know we are focusing on here at the uh, at the catch ministry um so i would in the few minutes we have left i i'd love to just talk about this whole idea of relationships and and why why it one do you believe that it's uh that it's the important really important right now that this is this is the way that god is going to work uh in, in the world right now. And then uh, I, I would like to know, I'm assuming your answer is going to be yes, or at least along those lines. And then I, I'd love to talk about why, you know, why are relationships so important? So I know it's a big question, but jump in wherever you want. <laughs> yeah. Well, it is big. And, and I think in a nutshell, the way our culture has gone, um, Christianity has had a tremendous impact in the history of our country. And that's not popular to say nowadays. People don't want to hear that. But all you have to do is read history and read the, the story of the revivals and the founding fathers and the founding mothers and the impact that congregations had before the church became big and institutional, which it did mm-hmm. as, yeah. as it grew and the numbers grew. We started buying buildings and you know how that goes. And I think once the faith became institutional, then it has to work to sustain itself financially and membership-wise and all of that. But yeah. for the most part, up through the 20th century, Churches were quite small. We didn't have mega churches. We had small congregations, average size, 30 to 50 people. And guess what? They ate meals together sometimes two and three times a week, every week. Mm. They prayed together. They worshiped together. They, they contributed from their pockets to keep the electricity on. But after the war, things changed because, of course, we had the baby boom and in the 50s and the 60s, and those were 
those were such a period of time that Christianity was still a deep influence in the culture. But people began to get interested in materialism, money, individualism, mm-hmm. you know, all that stuff. And as they did that, the community, the fellowship of Christianity broke down. And then marriages broke down. Families were breaking down. Divorce. Um, sin, <laughs> if you want to use the three-letter word. That yeah. we, we just started we started to test all the limits. And to be honest, that was my generation that for the most part kind of opened those gates, the baby boomers. Mm-hmm. We, we figured we'd try everything, right? Anything goes. So, and now decades later, look where we are with marriage, with family. So we've got individuals who have never known two parents, have never known a healthy home, have never known a healthy sex life, have never lived without drugs and alcohol influencing people around them. And here we are. And how do you turn that around? Wow. I think the only way you can do it, it's got to start one-on-one with people. And you call it mentoring. It's really discipleship, but it's Mm -hmm. really friendship. Yes. And I think you you always have to have a mature believer who is reaching out for people who who may be Christian, but they don't know it yet because they're still in the world. Mm-hmm. But it's it's the seed is in everyone. You know, that Romans is clear on that, that wow. it's planted in all of our hearts, all of mm. our conscience. But God has put the seed of the Spirit in everyone. So when I talk to people, I, I never refer to people as non-Christians. I, I believe quietly they're, they're Christians. I'm just going to help them discover that they are. And uh, that takes time and a lot of one-on-one or small group relational uh, exposure. Yeah. Wow. That's so good. Um, do you have... Do you think it's possible for older folks like us to have um, healthy relationship, quality relationships with uh, younger people like millennials, um, people in their twenties and thirties, and 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 uh, do you think that do you think that those younger people might respond to that might be actually looking for something like that absolutely i i see it every day and Mm. again the question is how do you meet these people and how do you connect with them Mm -hmm. so i think once you realize where they are in their workspace or in their recreational time um I would say the big thing that I've found to be successful is to take a lot of risks with strangers in, in a very, I try to be winsome, you know, I try to be smiling and joking and conversing with them as though they're friends, even though they may be a complete stranger. And I do it with clerks in stores or servers in restaurants, mm-hmm. strangers I meet on the street. 
just to smile, say hi, they'll feel the warmth of the spirit if you open up the portals in your mm. being to them. Mm. And if you can get a person to pause, to have a brief conversation, don't use that opportunity to tell them about you, but an opportunity to find out about them because everyone's got a story. Wow. And uh, I just love their key questions. Where are you from? Or um, how did you get here? Or uh, are do you, are your parents living nearby? You know, these are these are questions that open people up immediately. Hmm. Uh, and I just signed some documents today. I had to sign with a notary, and she was a a woman from I'd never met her before. She'd driven about sixty miles to sit down sign the documents, and I felt right away the warmth within her and I knew nothing about her Hmm. and I asked a couple of questions and within 10 minutes I knew she'd been married twice I knew she had two kids I knew where she lived I I knew about she'd been turned off by the church Hmm. and all I did was ask a few questions and then sit and listen and at the end we signed the documents I stood up she walked over, she hugged me and held me. Oh. And she said, she said, you're a sweetheart. Thank you. Now, huh. it isn't about me, but she right. felt Christ in me. Hmm. She wasn't attracted to me. She was attracted to the spirit and the Jesus in me. And that's where it happened. You know, it can, oh. it's, it's so wonderful, you know. Wow. Rarely does a day go by now, even though I'm not pastoring a church, when that doesn't happen with some stranger. Hmm. How how can and we uh, John, how can we help that well, come John, up? John, just yeah. Well, yeah. What one little thing I'll add to that is, I think most people are hesitant to engage with people, strangers, um, uh-huh. because they think they're they're fearful of rejection. I've come to see we're afraid of acceptance because if we're accepted, it means we have to enter a relationship and maybe make some sacrifices, time, money, energy, help, you know, and, but that's where the action is. That's where the kingdom is. Wow. Um, Oh, that's beautiful. Wow, I, I love interrupted that. you, John. Sorry. Sorry. No, 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 no. I I love that. I I was just uh, that was better answer than the one I was <laughs> reaching for. Um, <laughs> yeah, we were almost afraid of of them accepting a relationship rather than being rejecting one. That's that's really good. Well, you know what? I hate to say, but our time is our time is up, and. Uh, I hate, I hate I hate people that do this to me. You know, they give you that one last question or one last chance to say anything. <laughs> but can you put a cap on this thing for us, uh, especially in in this area, last area we've been talking with? How how do we, you know, how do we remain open for to the Lord 
for these kinds of situations to happen? Yeah, let, let me give it a shot here, John. I, I think if you look at 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, there's, mm-hmm. there's this beautiful last couple of verses. I think verse 12 and 13, it says, Now we see through a glass darkly, but then we will see clearly and we will know as we are fully known. Mm-hmm. And then it, it says, These three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Well, I've used, I've done 1,500 plus weddings. I've used that almost every wedding, that, that chapter. And it hit me one day, why is that so important? Paul says the three greatest things, faith, hope, and love. Well, here's what I think they are. Faith comes from the past. We get our belief system and our values from the past, our experience. Hope is the future. It's having faith in the future. But what is love? It's the present. Mm-hmm. And if we don't live fully in the present, we're going to waste most of our time, energy, fear, worry in either regrets of the past or fears about the future. We've got to wow. get away from that. Live right now because that's where the love of God in Christ is, is most alive. Wow. Richard, fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing your heart with us. And uh, we hope this won't be the last time. (laughs) Well, let's do it again, John. Yeah. I'd love to be with you and your friends again. Thank you. Well, good. Thank you so much for being with us. Well, there you go, folks. That was Richard Davis. Come back, let's do it again. You have to, because there's too much good stuff going by too fast. Yeah, so God bless you. Join us again next week for another Blog Talk Radio. And and a fascinating person who can help us walk with the Lord on a daily basis. God bless you. Good night, everyone.